we're back. What's hope, up, guys? I hope your earbuds weren't too loud for that one. Yeah, sorry about that, but we had to get a pretty fun intro, so that's our Of course. Dude, welcome back. <laughs> um, well, hopefully you just listened to our NFL portion of the pod. Going to hop into college football, NBA, college hoops, and golf now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, fun stuff. So, first off, we'll go ahead and get it started with some golf. Since we haven't talked about that in a while, sure, it has um, been a little bit. So, first big thing this past weekend, Sony Open, Siwoo Kim gets the dub. Jordan Spieth played pretty well and then struggled. So, any first initial thoughts? Yeah, I mean, regarding Jordan Spieth, this isn't anything new. You know, he's kind of those, one of those streaky players that when he gets hot, he can be the best guy in the field. And when he starts to mess up and he's getting hitting his drives in the trees and his game can really just fall apart. You know, he works a lot on momentum. And so, you know, I'm not really surprised by it. Jordan Spieth is going to be Jordan Spieth. I'm not worried about the season because of it or anything like that. He could play. He could shoot, you know, 77, 74, 80. Well, I guess you wouldn't even make the cut. You could shoot 77, 80 and then come around the next week and win. Yeah. And, you know, that's just Jordan Spieth. That's the player he's always been, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, some players are just like that. They just play – you know, huge in the big moments, and but when the game starts to crumble, they just kind of just, you know, let it all go, you know, to the ground. So nothing surprising there, but Siwoo Kim with the win, that's pretty big. You know, is that going to lead him to be, you know, one of the favorites for a lot of events this year? It could be. I mean, he's always played really solid golf. He's got a great fundamentally sound swing, and, you know, I think he could be – a big, uh, you know, got to watch out for in some of the majors and bigger tournaments this year. Yeah, no, I agree. I think Siwoo's going to be a guy to look out for. I think there's a lot of young guys on tour that are going to be mm-hmm. to look out for. Oh, yeah. Um, as I mentioned earlier in one of our first podcasts, Max Homa, yeah. um, just a lot of young guys who are up and coming on the tour, which I think is great for the tour. Um, uh, the tour's in great hands yeah, with, yeah. with the young talent coming up right yeah. now. Absolutely. So on speed side of things, I couldn't agree with you more. We've seen this over and over again. Um, kind of last year, it kind of looked like he was going to get out of that and more into the more consistency phase. Right. But yeah. uh, once again, after this, you kind of think uh, maybe not. So it'll be interesting to see over the course of the year if that changes, if he can get yeah. into consistency. And, and I think part of the reason why, he's one of those players that's always, you know, tweaking with the swing and something like yeah. that. He's always working on some new feel or working with the swing coach, trying to get, you know, I think last year the big thing was trying to get a little more laid off at the top. And, you know, then he kind of – he just kind of bounced all over the place. But, you know, it is those type of players that they find the right feel on Monday and they play a good practice round Tuesday and, like, just the game's feeling great. And then they just go win a tournament out of nowhere when yeah. they've been miscut, miscut, miscut. And we've obviously seen Jordan Spieth, you know, he can put together in some incredible weekends of golf. So, yeah. you know, he's still going to be good. He's going to have good finishes this year. He's going to miss cuts. That's just – it's just the nature of players that are like that, really feel-based players in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, another point in the golf world, LIV has signed a TV deal with CW. Yeah, um, which – yeah. No, go ahead. I mean, it's huge. I mean, until now, I, I mean, at least when they first started, the LIV was just like on YouTube Live and stuff like that, which, I mean, that's pretty accessible. You know, most people have YouTube or you have like a smart TV or you watch on your phone or your laptop, but – I think getting a TV deal is definitely the next big step. Will you ever see them on like a mainstream, like ABC, NBC, Fox? I doubt it, but you never know. I mean, if if CW starts making some money and those bigger streams see it. Right. Right. uh, I don't know. I I don't know. 
it's going to be really, really hard for me to turn off the PGA Tour on CBS one day and go turn on the CW oh. to watch LIV. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. I, As a fan of golf, I'm probably – I mean, I might watch the LIV if I'm bored or something, and the PGA Tournament that weekend is, a, you know, someone's ran away with it or – it's a Thursday, and we can I just, watch. I can't get over the. I can't get over the shotgun start. Oh. I think that is stupid, and I think that having forty-eight players, and I know that's the whole thing, the whole right. point of it, or right. whatever it is. I think it's forty-eight players right. in an entire tournament. Yeah. I don't. I don't understand that, and I. I just. I don't know. And and don't they do like fifty-four holes? Yeah, they. That, well, no, that's why yeah. it's LIV. Right. It's fit. That right. stands for fifty-four. That, that that's yeah. that is why, and that's. The whole point of it is Roman numerals. That's 54, which, yeah, their whole point and their whole thing is only 54 holes Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I don't know. I think it's – I still have not gotten on that train. Yeah, and I don't no. think I, – I don't know if I ever will. I don't care how many players you pull over there. I would still rather attend a PGA tournament, still rather watch PGA yep, Tour. Yeah, 100%. Um, I see PGA Tour as authentic golf. Mm-hmm. Um, I view the PGA Tour as more of the um, – more serious, more fun. Um, now you go over there just to make money. Right. That's, I, I couldn't agree more with what you're saying. Like it just, it doesn't seem like quote unquote real golf when you make all those changes to the rules. And like, like you said, I mean, I'd rather making when you're, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but when you're making so much money to lose, right. And when you're getting all this stuff to lose, then what is the point? Right. Right. You look at a golf tournament depending on the player and I'm sure it's a mix of both for both you know for all players it's you want to win you want to win so that you get money and you want to win because you cherish like the legacy of certain tournaments like you want to win the masters because it's regarded as the most important golf tournament the and, open and one of you know one of the greatest things to do in sports is winning the masters and there's yeah. only a certain you know short list of people who have done it so players some players probably don't really care much about the money especially if you're an established player who you're not worried, you know, week to week. Some of these new guys. John like, Rahm's a perfect right, example of that. Right, like John Rahm. I mean, he's not worried. He gets sponsorship money from Callaway. I mean, he makes Buku's, you know, tons of money. He's not worried about – he doesn't want to win the Masters to get whatever the purse is for the Masters. He wants to win the Masters because he wants to wear a green jacket and he wants to be able to say, yes, I won the Masters in my great golf career. But, you know, some some of the younger guys, I'm sure money's a huge incentive. I mean – even That's why they, you make a college guys, right? There. You make a lot of money on tour, but like some of the, especially on like a corn fairy tour or something too. I mean, some of these guys are still, you need a, you need to place top 20 or else you're living in the van for the next couple of weeks. So do you think that letting these guys from LIV go play in the masters is the right thing? You know, it's hard to say, but if I was the masters, this is my perspective of it. If I'm any one of the major committees, which of course we know that it's like separate from the PJ Tour to agree, that's why they can be allowed to have LIV guys play in these tournaments. If I'm, you know, Augusta National Chairman and I'm looking at my tournament with the Masters, I want the best X amount of players, however big the field is, I want the best players to play in my tournament. Whether they play on the PJ Tour, whether they play on the LIV, to me, it doesn't really matter. I, if I was them, I would let the LIV guys play and in the masters as well. And I think it also is really huge for the LIV because I think that could be, like we said, some guys who care more about the legacy of the PJ tour. Obviously that's probably not the, you know, demographic that's going to go to the LIV because people that do that, obviously it is huge money. Money is a huge incentive 
But, um, you know, I feel like for the player who could be a mix of both, it could be that extra bonus that I will go to LIV knowing I can still play in these majors, right? Where if it was you knew you were banned from all majors and all these golf tournaments that you grew up caring about and, like, you watch on TV as a kid, you know, you hear all these guys, you know, I watch so-and-so Tiger at the U.S. Open. I said, I want to go play in the U.S. Open and win that event. You know, players who do care about that, it would definitely be discouraging, you know, if you knew going to the LIV would mean you couldn't do yeah. that. Yeah, no, I agree. I I still haven't really gotten on a side with this. I I I I completely agree with what you're saying about how the, it's the Masters Committee deciding these things, and they right. shouldn't really care. I mean, it's right. their tournament, their event. They want the best golfers, and right. I agree with that completely. Um, so if I was the Masters Committee deciding that, yes, I would think I would agree. But as a bystander, as someone watching, I kind of almost don't like that they get to play in it. Because you feel like the LIV players – now, I'm not putting words in your mouth. Tell me yes or no. You feel like the LIV players have, like, disrespected the PJ Tour and that. Yeah. And, like, the game of golf in a certain way that you shouldn't be allowed to still attend an event like that. Yeah, and a lot of people will disagree, but yeah. – A that, lot of people would agree with you, too. That, yeah, yeah but a lot of people would disagree and – that is a the Masters, the Open, all those are P, like for the longest time we have seen those as PGA Tour events, right? And yeah. now anybody can play in them, especially the Opens and stuff right. like that, because it is the Open, right? But they are certified PGA Tour events. That is, right. and that is yeah. what has been like they've always been associated in the past. Right. If you qualify for the Open, I'm going to go tell people I played on the PGA Tour, right? And that's and now I and now. That has switched over because we have gotten this new LIV. And another thing, I can't, you can't really say, we can't really say that the LIV is wrong for what they've done. No. Because they are starting another golf league. Sure. And they, Which in this world, you're 100% is, titled. Yeah. So, and a lot of people are saying that. And right. that, I am not saying that by any means. No, yeah, I agree. I, I am just saying that I don't know if, Allowing these players who have left to go to another league, right, or should be allowed to come back and participate right. in a certified right. event by the PGA. Tour. Because I would be willing to bet that ninety percent of people who even watch golf pretty regularly, a year ago before the LIV was a thing, probably didn't even know that the majors were separate from the PGA yeah. Tour. No, you yeah. see it as a PGA Tour mm-hmm. thing. Pretty much every player playing in it is a member of the PGA Tour, and that's how they qualified to get into that yeah. event you know, through their membership status and points and wins and runner-ups, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, before you get down to the nitty-gritty of it with this new golf league, I bet you most of golf fans, probably some golf players, probably didn't even know the two are separate entities, essentially. Well, so my my thing, and I mean, this isn't the greatest example in the world, but this, to me, is almost like, think of the Masters as like an all-star game. Yeah. This to me is okay. almost like taking guys from the Euro League who play basketball, sure. taking guys from other basketball leagues across the world, and saying, "Oh, come play an all." Right. If the, it's like the NBA saying, "Oh, come play an our NBA All Star game." I think that's a pretty fair point. I never thought about it like that, but I mean that kind of makes sense. And again, like it is kind of even a, to add to your point, another similarity is like most of the guys playing in the Masters and you know the majors and stuff like that are probably still going to be PJ tour guys yeah. whereas also this like you know if NBA all-star game was from around the world you'd still probably see if there's you know however many 20 guys or whatever in the NBA all-star game you would still probably see 17 or 18 NBAs cuz yeah. you know the talent 
pool in the NBA mostly is where it's generally are. regarded as the best basketball talent pool. Whereas still the PGA tour is still regarded as the best talent pool of golfers. Yeah. But you know, I, that's a good comparison. I mean, I just, and I mean, I know that the mat, the all-star game isn't a separate thing in the NBA. We know that the all-star game right. is NBA's right, thing. Of course. Um, but I don't know that that's kind of a way I've thought about it. I think that uh, this is going to continue to get interesting, especially now that they have a TV deal. I don't. I really don't think that the TV deal is going to do them much good. I mean, I it's don't know not, many people like, that are going to watch yeah, CW, right? right. Um, and I, I don't know. I think that it's going to be interesting to see. I know they're supposed to have more events this year, which, once again, I don't really understand because their whole thing was only play this many right, events right. and just the summer hang out or the rest. Yeah, right. and now they're doing more. So I think. I think another thing is the LIV golfers don't really know what they got into. They kind of right. just hopped over there because right. they were getting well, paid, right? Because I mean, you're a golfer who might make. You know, let's just put your perspective as like Louis Oosthuizen. Yeah. Where you're like, you know, on the PGA Tour, if I play pretty good, you know, he's had a good career already. Yeah. And, you know, if he plays pretty good. Guys like that, I understand. Right. Because, like, if he plays pretty good, like, he already got to play in all these big events and live his PGA Tour career. Again, I'm in the same boat. I understand. Guys like DJ, I understand. I understand, you know, that would be the demographic where it's like, well, am I just going to keep being kind of a – mid-level PJ tour but not saying DJ is no still kind of in his prime but all those other guys who are kind of aging out of the tour it's like do I want to make do I want to go make two million dollars a year and like I have to play good to make that or do I just want to go guarantee myself all this money and have fun playing and also now you've had your career well on the PJ tour a guy guy who was in the younger and didn't really get to fully play out his PJ tour career and was getting to his prime I want to give props to Harold Varner yeah because he came out and he said on Instagram, mm-hmm. "Listen, yep. I'm sorry, but the reason I'm doing this is because I have right. generations that I can right. I can have right. money for, right? Which I respect like, the honesty. Yeah, no, me too. Because a lot of guys didn't do that. Right. A lot of guys were like, "Oh no, I'm here to stay," and they, then two weeks later, right. jump right. ship. And, and they also sugarcoat their reasons. You know, yeah. they're in a press conference and they're like, "Yep, no comment, no comment." Yeah. The, the typical like, you know, politician way of you know just working around questions, not answering. Harold Varner literally said, "Man." I'm going to make all this money and I got to do it for my family and think about people, you know, later down the road. Like Cause he was like, I can go, I can, wealth. yeah, I can go give it to my kids, their kids, right. their kids. He can have his great, great grandkids right. set right. off of what he's done. Right. And I mean, I'm, I mean, I yeah. can't blame him for that. Yeah. And also shout out to Harold Varner. He does a ton in the youth golf community also yeah. with the youth on the course. He's a North Carolina guy, went to ECU. ECU yep. And so, you know, out of all the people on the LIV, definitely, I think, on behalf of the C2 Sports Podcast, we're back in Harold Varner. I've always been a fan. He just yeah. – he seems like – obviously, I don't know. Where's the Jordans? <laughs> you know, yeah, sponsored yeah. by them. I mean, that's just – that's really cool as a golfer. You don't normally see that. But, you know, yeah, anyway. No, I, I forgot what I was going to say. But, <laughs> you know, Harold Varner, man. No, Harold Varner's the guy. Yeah. I've always liked him. I don't know him personally, but he seems like a great guy for see, and you see in the media. I mean, at least he was honest about it. There's no reason right. to – be upset with him over that if that is his reasoning, um, which makes sense. Right. Um, so, I, once again, I mean, that'll kind of wrap it up. But I think it's going to be interesting. I'm sure we're going to have plenty more talks about this as the right. golf season kind of kicks into and, gear. And see how both leagues change and adapt, yeah. which we've already seen a ton we'll of. We'll see what this TV deal does right. for them starting right. in February, the LIV. Um, so, yeah. I'll take my last point on this. Um, just my overall stance is, like, for the game of golf, I think LIV and any other tours that might sprout up because of this are great for the game of golf. It makes more people be able to play golf professionally. 
it brings golf to a more you know worldwide audience you know the more tours you have out there and the more people that are able to play golf you know for money where you could sustain your life you know not just where you have to you know do two jobs or you just do it for fun or whatever it's good for the game of golf and it grows it and likewise i mean it's good for the pga tour if you're a fan of the pga tour you may be lost maybe you're a fan of dustin johnson or one or two other guys that I would say are like pretty relevant in the top 25 or 30 players who like you enjoy watching everybody else. You know, nobody's really watching Phil unless you just really have some special connection. He's really not competing that much. So you didn't lose too many of the great, great players like you thought you might when it first came up. But I mean, the PJ tour now, because of it, they're increasing their money pools. They've done that thing where they're like got their schedule for, I don't know, 15 or 20 events where they have like the top 25 guys committed so it's almost like you get to see a ton more, like how you treat majors, where it's like, man, everybody's playing. Because, you know, you get those tour events sometimes where it's like, oh, yeah, like you got a, a couple big names. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously everyone's good golf. I'm not trying to talk down all the other golfers. If you're on tour, you're an elite golfer. But there is those names that every, like the household names that everybody might, you might have your favorite golfer. And there's a lot of weekends where, I mean, there's only three of those guys in the field or that are one of them that's competing. But because of the LIV tour, you have all these extra events where you have all these guys that have committed to play. So you get a ton more, you know, important events throughout the year, quote unquote, and you get a lot more money. So, I mean, the tour guys should be grateful too that yeah. it happened. I mean, their purses are getting boosted a lot. So it's good for the game of golf, you know, LIV good, LIV bad overall, morally, ethically, whatever you want to say, like take your side. Again, I'm still kind of on the fence. I see a lot both ways, but. My yeah. stance for the game of golf overall, it's growing and I think it's good for it. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up our golf portion. I think we got into that pretty well. We yeah, that was a little <laughs> unexpected, but hey, that's what happens on a podcast. Uh, and- so next we'll hop into uh, just a little wrap-up of college football. Um, just a few little things. Uh, first of all, uh, with the transfer portal just wrapped up, um, do you have any opinion on who the best player in the transfer portal was? I mean, it might seem a little bit partial, and I know you're in agreement with this, so I don't want to take your thunder on this one here. But I know Devin Leary's a great player. He's impactful. He's got, you know, I think, I believe the one year left. Yeah. And it was, you know, is he going to stay at NC State? No, he didn't. He entered the transfer portal. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think talent-wise and the impact he could have to a team-wise, I think Devin Leary could, could be arguably the – most important transfer. No, yeah, I agree with that. Just to talk a little bit about NC State football, we did get Virginia transfer quarterback yep. Brennan Armstrong. Interested to see how this works out. Cause so we I'm at do a basketball have, game the other night. Yeah, we saw him at the basketball game the other so. night. Uh, really interested to see how this works out because we do have MJ Morris, who is an up-and-coming, looks like right. could be a star. Right. Right. Um, don't want to jinx anything, right. but, but possibly. But he showed glimpses. Yes, yes. So playing really the good. big question is, are we going to let this – guy come in play QB under his old offensive coordinator for a year or are we gonna let our young guy get in there and start developing so that in his junior year in his senior year he can be the guy right I mean if I'm NC State it's it's looking from the outside and it's hard to say that they would be you know all chips in on MJ Morris when you just went and got this transfer quarterback Mm -hmm. so it almost seems like just It'll the be nature an off-season of it. battle. It seems like there will be an off-season battle. I mean, it, it probably the job will probably be won in training camp. I think that you equally for either player have you know just enough reasons to start them or bench them. And yeah, it'll probably be off-season 
yeah. battle. And, uh, you know, that could really – training camps and preseason, that, that, that'll probably determine who's yeah. going to be the guy, at least to start the season. And then, obviously, anything subject to change with four, four or – Well, we've seen how important it is after this year, how important it is to have more than one guy you can play. Absolutely, so. yeah, especially in the college game. Yeah. Yep. So, um, on top of that, uh, we saw TCU – get smoked in the natty against Georgia, went over that last week. Yeah. Um, will TCU recover now that they've lost uh, Quentin Johnston, their wide receiver, uh, and Keandre Miller? I think this this is the scenario we're going to see. It's the scenario where I don't really think that, I mean, yes, they're losing big players. The rest of the talent on their team is pretty good. Not I wouldn't say fantastic. So what I could see is the next year or two, or three years, I could see them just having like pretty good years. They might, they'll probably be ranked in the top 25. I don't think they're going to make it to the playoffs now with the playoff expanding. Maybe once it gets to 12 teams, they're, I think they're going to be in that talk general, generally. But I think what we could happen is see this ripple effect where they make it to the national championship. And obviously they didn't play a great game, but that gives your team a lot more publicity and puts them in the you know spotlight for recruits. And so what I could see happening is, you know, give them two or three years to, because of being in this national championship game, get more better recruits in, and then start to build up a team that you see more. Does routinely. being in a national championship and getting blown out by 60 want recruits will go there, though? I think the famous phrase as, you know, any pl- publicity is good publicity. Yeah. It's a hard word to say a couple times in a row. <laughs> you know, bad or good, they're in the spotlight. I think recruits are still going to want to go there. Because it's like I don't know they got they got cool jerseys. No, it's yeah, kind of, I love their jerseys. That, that's like not doesn't seem important, but they got cool jerseys. Like obviously their team that can the atmosphere there. seems like it like, would be right, fun. Right, it's like it's different than your typical going to Alabama with a, as a five star and yeah. like you could go small to TCU, school, small and private maybe play a little better and just yeah, totally different <clears> atmosphere. So I could I think we could see the ripple effect happen where take where they are now, have a couple mediocre years. But then the ripple effect of being in the national championship and getting better recruits two or three years down the road, I think they could become one of those teams that becomes a powerhouse for a couple of years just because of making the spotlight one. No, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think they're going to fall out and be – like they're not They're not going to make the playoff anytime soon. Right. But they're also not going to be terrible. Right. They're, um, right. And I, I think Sonny Dykes, their head coach, is a great coach. Um, obviously, he got him there in his first season as head coach. So. Mm-hmm. Definitely something to be said for him and that coaching staff. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I think I, I, it kind of depends on how you say recover, right. what you define as recover. Right. Um, but I would say that they probably will be uh, probably middle of the pack, maybe towards the top, especially now that Texas and Oklahoma are leaving the Big 12. Right. Um, so be interesting. So could they become one of those teams that's kind of like, Kind of like Clemson in a sense, where it's like relative to all the other powerhouses, you don't really have a tough schedule. So it's one of those things where you just beat all the decent teams and go undefeated and you just make it in automatically. First game next year, TCU plays Colorado. That will be interesting. Obviously, if you don't know the whole Deion Sanders situation, and he's totally flipping that team upside down, bringing in a bunch of different recruits, you know, bringing his guys with Transfer portals. And transfer portals and just the culture of that program. Totally changing. So, dude, it, that would be an interesting that, game. That game might come down to the winner being able to have a pretty good, somewhat year. easy schedule down the road, and the winner could end up having a pretty good year. Or, yeah. I know he said they probably won't make the playoffs, but 
maybe. I don't know. It's hard to say. But, <laughs> I don't know. But, you know. I think Colorado is going to be a lot worse than people think. You think so? Yeah. I think it takes that, more than our offseason. I mean, I think now, don't get me wrong, would give those young guys that he's getting two years to develop. Right. They could be pretty good. Right. But I think that next year is going to be a really eye-opener for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, moving on, hopping to some NBA. Uh, first off, other night, Hawks played the Mavs. Um, just going into that, uh, one thing that we wanted to talk about, uh, way in the past, who won the Luka Trey Young trade way back when, when they both got drafted. They did a swap. Um, Hawks ended up – the Mavs were who got Trey Young. Right. Traded him for Luka. Um, right. Which turned out to be a pretty dang impactful trade. I mean, obviously, both those players have turned out to be stars. Yeah, so. but I would take Luke over Trey Young any day of the week. I'm in the same boat, man. I think I think the Mavs won that trade 100%. Obviously, Trey Young's a great player, and you know, in his own respect, I mean, he's an NBA All Star. And but you know, Luca's in the best player in the NBA uh, talk. Well, going off of that, who in the NBA would you classify as untouchable? Who are you not, no matter what? Luca. Giannis, Tatum. So if you got offered Giannis for Tatum and you could get Giannis to give up Tatum, you're not doing that? Yeah, no. If I'm the Celtics, I'm sticking with Tatum. I, I mean, he's, he's again, one of those players in the, you know, best player in the NBA talk, discussion category, and he's young. He's younger than Giannis is, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean. What about, what about like, the Joker? Jokic. Are you trading I, him if you get offered Giannis? You know, I think I think he might be another one of those players that is untouchable. Now, hear me out. I'm not saying that he is a 100% defined better player than Giannis. No, you're saying in that situation. But I'm saying in the situation where it's like you have your identity as a franchise and you've identified the guys that have played great for your team and you really like and you just want to keep them around for as long as possible and they fit into your scheme and – the relationship they have with the coaches is good already. Obviously, the fans love them. The fans love them. Like it changes an entire franchise when you get rid of any player, especially a star player. So it's like the untouchable guys. Obviously, if there's one defined best player, then you would only have one untouchable by the logic of would yeah. you trade him for him? But I think the untouchable category is has to do a little bit more with just the player's relationship with the team and the fans and like how they fit into the scheme and stuff like that. So I think that yeah, if I was any one of those people, I wouldn't trade. You know, is Giannis the most physically dominating player? Yeah, but if I'm have Jokic and he's just part of my franchise, then no, I wouldn't trade him for Giannis. No, yeah, I, so I, get I, that. I put I them agree. for in the untouchable category. What yeah, about you? you have anything to add or any more players that you might add? In that category? I would definitely go Luca. Uh, Luca's my boy. I don't and I don't see Mark Cuban wanting to get rid of him by any means. <laughs> to add to that. <laughs> I don't, I think this was real that I saw this, and I think Mark Cuban was getting asked in an interview by some reporter, and he said, he said, so if it was if it was the wife or the Luca, who would you choose? And you know, obviously referring to get divorced or trade Luca away, because I think he was getting asked about this Luca versus Trey trade, and he said, well, if I had to choose, I'd be in the courts by Monday, <laughs> getting the divorce. I think is what he's referring to. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I, w- I would go Luca. I would go Giannis. Yep. Tatum is tough for me. He's a baller, but I just I'm thinking if I if I'm playing 2K and somebody gave me Giannis, 
to have instead of Tatum, which you can speak from experience, Tatum is on your you know yeah. dynasty team that we've been playing in two K yeah. lately. So and I know two K is not the real thing, right? Uh, but that's that that would be hard for me to not not accept that because Giannis is just just a whole another level of a basketball sure. player, uh, dominance wise. Um, but I would probably put Tatum in there. I, I can see that being one of the leading scorers in the NBA this year. Um, and just with the trajectory of being so young and so great and yeah. just fitting that scheme well. And I think generally all Celtics fans really love Tatum, and I think he really enjoys being there too, which yeah. is huge for a player. I mean, you see a player maybe like James Harden who might not be satisfied in a situation. It can take down your level of play yeah. a ton. Uh, would you put Embiid in there? I, I can't because if you offered me Giannis for Embiid, I'm taking Giannis over Embiid. Yeah, I think I think that's where I would draw the line with with Joe Allen Embiid. Yeah, I think that would be maybe probably the first one out. Yeah, because I mean you can only have so many untouchable. I players. think I think I think Jokic would be out for me too. Really, I think that I would take. I mean, I would rather have Luca. I would rather have. Uh, I, I wouldn't. I would take the Joker over Tatum, but I wouldn't rather have Giannis. I, I would rather have Giannis over the Joker because right. like it. The way I draw the line is I could re like realistically see on you know pull up ESPN one day and it's like yeah Joel Embiid traded to XX yeah exactly exactly but exactly. I really that's, and that's couldn't the way you got to think about it I yeah. really couldn't see that with Luca or Tatum or Giannis or even Nikola Jokic I yeah. I just couldn't really see turning on the news and seeing that they got traded no matter what it's for yeah which obviously is the whole definition of being untouchable yeah yeah but um all right. Now, lastly, into some college hoops. Um, so this weekend, well, actually, first of all, let's talk a little bit about Kansas State, Kansas game. Great game, went to overtime. Kansas State ended up pulling it out. Kansas State, I believe, was ranked 14th, Kansas number two. Huge win for Kansas State. Are they the real deal? I think they may be. Um, Kansas is really good, as we saw them win the Natty last year. Um now, can Kansas State keep this up? I think they probably can. Uh, will they? I don't know. I'm just time will tell. Time will tell. Once again, check out that bracketology episode that we'll be coming out yeah. with at the beginning of March. A lot March. of research will be put into that, so oh, yeah. we will definitely have. It'll be a fun episode. It'll be a fun. long one, but it'll yeah. be fun. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, other than that. Is there anybody on the top of your mind who you know is the best player in college basketball? It's hard to say so early. I feel like when you get to where it really matters, when you're in your conference championship and when you're in, you know, March Madness, I think really the the top Zach players. Eady. I think the top players, you know, come to shine, and that's where you really find out, you know, who's a who's really the real deal. But as far as like just passing the eye test. And early on with stats wise, I think Zach Eady's got to be yeah. up there. I mean, what is he like seven foot four? Seven four, and obviously leading one of the best teams in the nation, averaging well over a double double. I yeah. believe it's like twenty two and thirteen at the moment. And you know, obviously you look toward being the best player in college basketball, being seven four, is a huge advantage. And you look toward being in the NBA. You, you know, seven four even in the NBA is still giant. Yeah. And when you see somebody dominating like that. I would say most dominating. Again, we've kind of brought this up in the past with talking about the NBA too. Like, it, who's the best player? Like, are you talking about skills, like stats? Yeah. You got to really define the most valuable to their team or like dominating. I think Edie's definitely the most dominating. 
physically and just like like kind of like Giannis would be yeah. the most dominating player. Who's the most skilled? I, I probably would say it's not him, but like, yeah. who, and then you also look at who you take away from the team, like who's the most valuable essentially. Yeah. Like you take him away, what is Purdue? Yeah. Or you take away so-and-so, what is that team's identity now? But I think I think you'd definitely be the front runner, not yeah. a hot take, but. I would take, oh yeah, I would take him or Wilson from Kansas, I think. As you were saying, I think he Wilson could be considered the MVP. I think if you take him away from that Kansas team, right. Kansas is not nearly as good. Right. Now they did just lose, but I but think any that, team could be yeah, any it's exactly. college, and college basketball. basketball anything lose happen. at this time in a year, who really cares? Yeah. Really. yeah. So, um, yeah. On top of that, as we mentioned earlier, huge matchup this weekend: NC State Wolfpack traveling to Chapel Hill to take on the Tar Heels um, as state students. We're rolling pack all day. 100%, um, baby. But is there any key notes, key, key thoughts? I mean, historically, when you look at NC State. The last going, 40 games, Carolina is 35-5. and five. And I don't know if you have the <laughs> stats prepared off, you know, putting you on the spot here as far as when we're over in Chapel Hill. Oh, it's not good. But I can't imagine the stats getting better. We haven't won in Chapel Hill in a long. So, I mean, just looking historically, I don't really see their – being anything just extremely special to be why we would win in Chapel Hill. Obviously, it's a great game. It will be a great game. It always is with rivals. We talked about with that with Duke, and Duke's rank higher. It didn't really seem to matter. I mean, we just blew them out of the water, which we've already talked about that, I believe. But, I mean, obviously, I'm rooting for NC State. They've proved a lot in the last week to me. Yeah. If you asked me a week ago, I would have said there's no doubt in my mind. Obviously, bias as an NC State fan, I would tell you Carolina's going to win. Well, but a thing that – I think is going to be big for us is if we can have that guy to play behind DJ Burns tomorrow. Because right. Tuesday we played Georgia Tech and we had only DJ. Uh, Ebenezer Dewana was sick. Right. So will he be back? We don't know yet. That's huge. And then another thing that I've been hearing, I don't know how true it is, but Dusan Mahorchic might be playing. Really? Yeah. In this game? Yes. Wow. I, I I have no clarification. Wow. I, I've Just seen it on Twitter. Mill, local the rumor mill Twitter, sure. is that Dusan could possibly play. Wow. And now, will he play a lot of minutes? Probably not. Right. But he could be what we need to just give right. Burns that break. Oh, if we if we could get five to ten minutes out of him, I mean, yeah. that's really could be a, mean all the difference as far as Burns staying fresh throughout the game. Where every time he's in, we can feed the post reliably yeah. and know he's not gassed. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, you know, having you, down a big for Georgia Tech. Take 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 Burns out of the equation. Say Burns gets in foul trouble. Say he needs a breather. We're done. There's nobody to guard Baycott. No, we're done. There's not. Right. Foul trouble, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, you got to think about, like, I mean, we're not saying anything. And I'm not saying. That's not out of the ordinary. And you I'm can, not saying Greg Gant or Ernest Ross can't guard people. First of all, I think Greg Gant's one of the oh, best fantastic in the defender. college basketball. And Ernest Ross has really been yeah, coming into his good. own. I mean, he yeah, has a past ton of two confidence. games been playing really yeah, well. I mean, so I'm not, I'm not taking a shot at them at all. I'm just saying Armando so, Baycott like is a completely different right. physical presence. I mean, literally, it's like, it's like. If, if I was some great basketball player at my size, I couldn't guard him. I'm way yeah. too small. Yeah. Obviously, those guys are still they're, way they're bigger than me. He's but, a completely different physical right. presence. Now, DJ Burns, I think, could put a body on him. Right. And I think Dusan could. But, once again, we're going to need him back. Right. Uh, will he be back? I don't know. And I don't think – I mean, we saw last year Ebenezer Dewaner can't guard him. Ebenezer right. was our starter last year, and he couldn't guard Mondo. Right. So, it'll be interesting. I do – I'm really, really excited for our guard matchup. Jarkel Joyner to Quavion versus R.J. Davis yeah. and uh, Caleb Love. That could be four of the best backcourts there. Oh, in, that's in the nation, know, man. In the nation, that's, yeah. That could be 
that could be really, really fun yeah. to watch, especially I mean, if they get going at each other. Yeah. If we if they get going at each other and they're knocking down some threes, and of course we know Terquavion can just freaking shoot lights out. Somehow, and, some way, this game is not on ESPN. We're on ACC that's Network. That's such a shame. That is such a shame. So anybody that doesn't have access to that is just yeah. – the fact that it's not on ESPN is ridiculous to me. When I Both mean, teams could be ranked. Right. Both teams could and at least for NC State, we should be ranked. Which after for, after this course, week, right one on of us. I think after this week, one of us will be ranked. Hundred percent. Either they'll get ranked yeah. again, or we'll be yeah, in there. Hundred so. percent. I mean, if we win this week, there's no reason that we couldn't be moving. I mean, inside the top twenty, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I think I think basically we were pretty much last one out or yeah. first one out this yeah. last week with the rankings. So, I mean, I'm we're, glad we're not ranked because we never. Yeah, played no, no. <laughs> we we want to be the underdog mentality, and yeah, man, you see you see our guards start to. You know, have a shootout game and they're feeling hot. DJ Byrne gets another 16 points in isolation, which we've already talked about so many times. That's just huge for your team when you're in like that just stagnant half court offense and you can just give it to him and just he's going to create his own points. Yeah. He's not going to get a transition bucket. That's not how he's going to end up with 15 and 10. It's going to be all created. Yeah. And as long as we can keep the size in the game, like people without foul trouble and you know, EB comes back and we got, you know, at least enough size to compete. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a fun game. Of course, we're all going to be rooting for NC State. And I legitimately think we can get it done. That would be huge to beat Carolina and Duke basically back-to-back yeah. with another ACC game in between, another win. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a good game. Two fact, ACC wins in between right. Miami and Georgia Tech. Which, two great, two quality ACC wins. Obviously, we had lost Miami earlier in the year. but Yeah. Well, Tune in tomorrow, 5 o'clock, ACC Network. We'll yep. be tuned in. Oh, absolutely. Y'all make sure to tune in also. Absolutely. Um, well, that's pretty much it. That about wraps it up. Yeah, about wraps it up. Uh, like we said earlier, be on the lookout for news on our social media pages. Um, we're going to be better about that. We've still been lacking, so we'll be better. We'll say it again next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but other than that, take it easy. Appreciate y'all listening. C2 out.